Hey everyone, welcome to Lauren.Live, the spirituality, health, and lifestyle podcast. I'm Lauren, as you know, and I've got Sketch Diddy with me here today. How are you? How's it going? (laughs) Good. Happy to have you on the show. I'm super excited. I really appreciate um, getting an opportunity to kind of be part of this energy that you've got going with your podcast. It's super cool. Thank you. I'm really glad to have you here. Um, Sketch is a family friend, and we had talked a couple months ago about him being on the show, and he's got quite the cool story. Um, We'll be kind of just focusing on that as the theme today of just another yet another awakening story and this is his personal story that he'll tell um but he he's obviously more than this isn't just like his only description but just to give you a background he was raised in the mormon faith and um he uh is a former marine and so he's got you know some pretty like structured things in his past and he's really moved out of just structure into more of a wide open way of thinking. So I'm going to let you take the mic and just share a little bit about your background, who you are, what, you know, how you were raised and then what you've moved into in the more recent years of your life. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, man. And, uh, you know, I, I heard it recently too, that we don't really know which direction we're going and until we can kind of look back at our life, right? Like it's not something, and I really believe that it's, I think it's hard for us to be, to try to force against the universe in terms of where we're supposed to go. And I think if we can, if we can find it within ourselves to truly look back on all that we've been through, or, you know, we all have a story, we all have an interesting, you know, kind of thing about us. And, and the more we can actually appreciate that and not live in shame around it, the more we can just live in intentionality forward and be, you know, connected, I think, to, to the universe. Um, and, and either that, or I'm just incredibly lucky. (laughs) And so I feel like I owe it to the universe to try to put a positive spin uh, hey, what's the cursing rule <laughs> on this show? Because I am a I Marine, mean, right? And it slips right. out once in a while. Well, you know, I don't mind um, it, but I don't want to get censored. You know how this freaking world is the censorship. Yeah. The F-bomb is cool with me, but, you know, we'll just keep it to the, maybe, you know, the other words are good. <laughs> right on, good. I, I forgot to ask that before. But, uh, yeah, so the crap show that could that could be, you know, how we view our life. And I think so many times too, it's the perspective that we, that we put on things. And I think half the time, you know, this idea of awakening or, or whatnot, or, or whatever label you might put on it is, is, is really just kind of an, an, an internal acceptance of what is the only life you're going to have and that it all means something and puts you in a place for something. Um, I would, I would choose not to be born in a tiny little town, uh, uh, you know, in the eighties in Southern California, I'd choose uh, not to be ruled by the fear of the perception of the violence that was going on around me or, uh, constantly being afraid, you know, of, uh, forces and people around me. I'd choose, I definitely choose not to feel like I never fit in with anybody or that, uh, that I was kind of like this awkward outcast. Um, you know, I, uh, but, but that is kind of how it starts. And, uh, you know, my, my parents are amazing people. I love them to death and I definitely believe they've done the best they possibly could right with, uh, with what they had. I'm sure that in 20 years, my son will say the same thing. And then I'll be here shaking my head (laughs) at the failure I was to his father, to being his father, but, uh, you know, circumstances and every day is new for everybody. Um, it was a, it's a poor town in, in Barstow and, um, 
didn't have a ton of means, but also had what we needed. Um, my father is uh, born and raised in Ireland, mm. uh, Belfast, Ireland, and uh, his family was Mormon all the way back since missionaries had gone over to, you know, preach the gospel, so to speak, in uh, in Belfast. <clears throat> my great grandfather was one of the first branch presidents in Northern Ireland. So the church history in America, Mormons really pride themselves a lot of times on their pioneer history. Can they, can they search? So I don't necessarily have, have that same identity. Ours was like, Oh, I can trace my Mormon lineage through, you know, Northern Ireland, uh, which I used to think was pretty cool when I was a kid. Um, my mom was a convert to the Mormon faith and, uh, and that's how her and my dad met. Um, so I wasn't raised in a conventional um, Mormon background. And I think that's a lot of the theme of my life too. When I really look back on it, nothing about it seemed cookie cutter or conventional. None of it ever seemed like how everyone else was talking about their lives and experiences. Um, even the other kids at church uh, when I would go, which also was very inconsistent, um, seemed like everybody kind of knew the language and the program and, every Sunday I'd show up and I couldn't remember, you know, my parents couldn't remember which class I was supposed to go to. And I didn't know any of the kids or, you know, um, but in a lot of ways, those were the early seeds that were planted towards a life of learning how to adapt and overcome and evolve and, um, to maybe reject the idea of, um, comfort and security in a way that can lead us down a less than healthy path, you know, in a less, less than progressive path. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for a number of reasons, just never really seemed to be able to identify with the other kids and, and lived in a lot of, a lot of fear. I, public school was, uh, was kind of scary where I grew up. There was, we were right on the edge of like the next two streets over were more or less the, um, what we called the duplexes, which were more, um, an, an even lower income environment than kind of the neighborhood that I, the, the street that I grew up on. And so the elementary school I went to had um, a lot of, uh, I don't really know how to explain it. There were just a lot of fights and a lot of uh, um, stressful situations, you know, in, uh, in school. But uh elementary school was a, was kind of a scary place. I had, I had started out in, um, I was kind of a trouble troublemaker of a little kid, like in preschool, kindergarten. Um, my parents put me into private, into private Christian school, which, um, didn't, didn't exactly go, you know, I was constantly bucking against the system and constantly getting in trouble in that environment. And then finally, I think because of the cost of the private school environment, perhaps they just decided to put me into the public school system, which kind of was a big rude awakening and, and kind of slapped me in the face pretty good, you know? Um, and, and suddenly going from a position where I felt like I could kind of control and manipulate to suddenly an, a completely different environment was, was a little bit rough. Um, there were, uh, there, there was just a lot um, you know, for example, one time I remember when I was in, uh, I think it was in about junior high and my little brother, he's about four years younger than me. We were playing on our street and uh, a car comes roaring up our street and 
spins around the corner and then all of a sudden you hear pop, 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 right? And so it's a, it's a drive by. There's a, there's a street, there was a house up at the top of our street that had a lot of gang activity for whatever reason. And I just, I remember grabbing my brother four years younger than me, throwing him behind a wall just instinctually and, um, and us laying there waiting for the gunshots to stop. And I, and I see my brother's eyes super, super scared and afraid. Uh, and I'm like, man, that was crazy. Like I'm big brother nervous for him. Right. I'm like, wow, wasn't that crazy? And I'm trying to more make it like, Hey, don't stress like all good. We're good. Right. Um, and him, him sort of seeing him be able to kind of just relax and be like, Oh, okay. You know, nothing to be scared of. Um, there's a lot of, and, and I wasn't raised in the hood, right. Or anything like that. But, uh, but it was my perception to the things that happened very close to, to our, to our environment that I think started to formulate an environment of, uh, of fear. Um, my approach to, to things in my life, I, I, I tended to get in trouble for lying quite a bit as a kid. And, uh, as I've looked back on it as a, as an adult, um, a lot of the times I would go get myself into a situation and, and make whatever decision made sense to me, then discover that was wrong. And, and, you know, you'd get the mixed message of, you could tell us everything, but then when you would tell the truth, that was the worst possible thing you could have told them, you know? So there was a, there was like a duality a bit of uh, being able to, um, to have confidence and authority and to be able to uh, know that my truth and, and the way I was approaching life was acceptable. Um, I really think in a lot of ways, that was one of the biggest challenges growing up was just having a sense that um, first of all, I don't fit in. Second of all, I'm scared of everyone around me. Um, third of all, like, uh, the perception of what I'm doing is always wrong. And if I lie to make it seem better, well, then when I get caught then I'm wrong for that as well, you know, um, for whatever reason, it just led to a lot of discomfort and, and confusion and not really figuring out where my place was. And I really just wanted to get the heck away as soon as I could. Right. Um, but, uh, high school kind of, kind of survived through, um, junior high and high school and, uh, gravitated more towards the arts. I was in a lot of art classes and, um, my mom's an artist and, uh, and I really enjoy the arts. I see myself as a creative person kind of first and foremost. Um, but didn't really know what the future was going to hold or what kind of options I might have. Um, as I graduated high school, I tried to, um, just go to the community college environment, but I still had to live at home and nothing was changing. Right. You're like 18 years old and you're not, it, there's, it's like, I don't know if I thought that once you graduate high school, it's like, okay, there's this big, like mm-hmm. something, but it was just, I went to bed that night and woke up the next day and was right back smack dab in the middle of nothing still. Right. Um, and, uh, and I really, I, I just got sick and tired of kind of just even, I didn't even like me. Right. I just, I was constantly in trouble. I didn't fit in whatever. Um, I tried to go. So my history with the church along those days, you know, we were very inactive except when I would get in trouble and I got into some pretty good little troubling situations and whatnot. And the, the usual routine would be that I'd go to the, my parents would take me to the bishop and then, and the bishop is 
the, the guy that was our bishop at that time is still a very close family friend. I see him a lot like a father figure because he was one of the people through those formative years that would be able to kind of talk to me, right? Like your, your parents do the best they can. That doesn't necessarily, you know, they didn't choose me and my special way of being. And they certainly did their best to try to interact uh, with me, but a third party person like the Bishop was always a really good sort of person to help try to feel like he'd meet you halfway and, and talk to you about what's going on. So when I was looking for an out, I was like, I'll, go on a Mormon mission. Like that'll get me out, you know, get me out and on my way. Um, so I went and I talked to the Bishop. I'm like, Hey, I want to, um, I want to, I want to go on a mission. And so he's like, okay, we'll start that process, you know, <laughs> which we did. What I don't remember all the details nowadays, but there was some paperhead paperwork I had to fill out and whatnot. But along, but along the way too, I would get calls from the, all the different recruiters, the, the Navy, the Army, uh, the Air Force, all of them. And I just instinctually said no, right? I would just know that uh, um, that it wasn't. I grew up in a military town. There's a Marine base and an Army base in Barstow, California. Uh, we were very, you know, pro-military uh, in that regard. It just uh, you, you just knew that you were supposed to say no if the recruiters called. But when the Marines called uh, one day, I'm like, I had changed my response to them rather than saying, no, I'm like, Oh, I can't, I'm going on a Mormon mission. And the recruiter was like, Oh, well, did you not know that you can join the Marines? You can go to boot camp and then go on your mission and then come back and fulfill your obligation. They have you in. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Cause, cause keep in mind, dumb kid, no, no aspects and, and, you know, no opportunities trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And the only thing you can come up with is to suffer through being a young adult at your parents' house, going to community college to go end up working at the rail yard or wherever else everyone in, in Barstow kind of ends up at. Right. Or maybe go on a mission to at least do something different. It's the only options that I thought I had. So when he presented a different one, man, that really yeah. something immediately it wasn't an easy decision. It was, it was sort of, you know, when you know a direction you're, you know, you're supposed to go a direction and it is absolutely terrifying, right? Like absolutely freezes you to just like, like that's insane. Like me be a Marine. Like that's not going to happen. Right. That's ridiculous. Plus I had seen full metal jacket (laughs) and it's scary. (laughs) Anyway, I, uh, um, I went to my Bishop with it cause that's my dude. That's the guy that I, that I kind of trusted. Right. And I was like, Hey, you know, the Marines called me and said that I could kind of do this thing. And it was funny cause it was almost like on cue. He's like, Hey, you know, you should think about that. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, Mormon bishops in those days didn't turn people away from missions. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I guess it's a little, maybe a little more, mm-hmm. they're a little more selective, but back then, like you didn't, you didn't turn people away. And I remember him kind of saying like, he's like, look, man, your, your folks, I mean, it's not like you guys are independently wealthy. A mission costs a lot of money. Um, you know, who knows if you really care about the gospel, maybe you could go preach to people when you're in the Marine. He's totally, he gets it right. Yeah. I just want to get out of town. And, and so anyway, he, he handed me this little collection of miniature scriptures. He's like, I think you should maybe just try it out a little and check it out. So um, 
So I did, I started talking to the recruiter guys and the more I talked to them, the less and less I was interested. I started realizing that the mission, the mission was just an excuse to get out of, get away from home. But, uh, but I was scared to death to actually join uh, the Marines. And I sat in the, uh, the program that they have for, I think like a year. I was, I was definitely, I think it was 19 when, um, and they would keep checking in, Hey, you ready to go to boot camp? We got another group going. I'm like, ah, just give me a little more time. You know, I want to think about it. And finally the recruiter, I'll never forget, man, I'm, I'm at home and, uh, my dad's at work. My mom's, uh, I think she was doing something with this kind of side business thing that she had going on around sewing and whatnot. So, so she wasn't there. Um, 19 years old, just bumming around, knock at the door. I open it up. It's the recruiter. He's like, he's like, you ready to go? Wow. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know, man. He's like, look, this is the last time I'm knocking on your door. You're either going today or I'm done with you. Right. And I was like, and it's just like, if anything that was, that's, that's one of the moments, right. Where, where I look back on it now and I know that my life, um, my life went the way it was supposed to go, but in the moment you just feel the heaviness, you know, of, of this sort of decision and you, and you decide like, okay, I need to start practicing facing the fears that I've had. I need to start practicing pushing forward towards whatever this sensation is, whatever this urge is to, you know, it seemed like it was, far too easy to, you know, live in fear, live in doubt, live in uncertainty, live in, um, being less than, you know, it's time to start kind of moving forward. Um, and, and so I went down the street to my grandma, my, my maternal grandparents lived on this, the house my mom grew up in was just four houses down on the, on the other side of the street, went down, told my grandma, my grandma took me, to, you know, where, where they start all the processing stuff. And, uh, I had a, I think I had a quick second to either call my mom or my dad or, or see the other one. I can't remember, but it was like, I'm out. And I, I have a pretty strong memory too, as I was pulling out of the driveway of my grandmother's house. Um, I will never like this, if this is going to happen, I won't, I'm not coming back. Like not to, not necessarily to visit, but like, I'll never, I won't retreat. I won't, I won't, I'm not going to quit and then decide I'm going to live at home again. Right. right. Like this is the point at which we step off come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. It's time to start fighting, you know, for a, a life of some kind, mm-hmm. right. And giving in to whatever that is that's pulling you towards something. But, uh, and then man, just the next four years, I mean, everything from the three months of boot camp, um, facing the most incredible fears, you know, I, I, um, I remember we were on the rappel tower, which is big, tall tower. And you step off kind of the the side of it and you're kind of holding the rope and your legs are in like an L shape. And there's this thing you spring out over, I don't know, it's probably 10 stories or so you spring out and then you, you slowly slide down and then, you know, it's rappelling. Most people know what that is. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I'm, they, the Marines just move you through these, uh, exercises super quick. You don't even have time to think, right? It's brilliant. It taught me so much about how to approach life. Don't overthink it. Like just Mm -hmm. get in it, get into it. Like, don't be naive, but like they would teach you how to do something. They put you in line and then you would do it and then you'd be done and then you'd be scared. Right. Then you'd be like, that just happened. But I'm standing in line for the rappel tower 
um, it's, I'm either next or, there, or I'm a couple people away from going next. The guy in front of us, he's on the edge and he, he doesn't exactly, I guess, figure out how to do the, the coordinated steps properly. And some combination of something he does when he pushes off, he doesn't let go, but he straightens his legs and he swings back in and he smashes his face on the, on the corner of the ledge of the, of the building and then free falls. They have people at the bottom to, you know, to help stop so that, but like he's, he's laying there upside down unconscious on the rope, you know, bleeding. And, (laughs) and I don't really even process all that till after it was like, they get him down and then you go down and, and you're just like, wow, what the heck is happening right now? Like there was this moment of sterility where you, you start to realize that like, I had no choice in being born and I'm existing and I'm alive, but, um, but there's something really real that I don't feel like I, um, I don't feel like I was tapped into, you know, before, right. It's, I, and I, and I feel like I've had those experiences a lot where you kind of get pulled back to, or almost outer body where you kind of look at it and you're like, we are legit living right now. Like this isn't, this isn't like some, you know, I don't know, coma, coma induced hazy dream. Like this is as real as it gets. This is, there is nothing else. Right. Uh, at least in this particular moment. And, uh, again, you know, the, that whole experience really boosted my confidence and really gave me, I started learning that fear that being scared is incredibly healthy and incredibly important. Um, but giving into it and becoming afraid to the point of showing up for your life is absolutely the opposite of that, right? It's not the point. That's not what we're supposed to do. And, um, and that really gave me a lot of, I guess, power and, and, uh, just personal courage, not any kind of grand sense of the word, but just enough for myself to be able to start to face the scary things of life and start to plant the seeds towards, you know, kind of what now in my life I look at as the what if, right? Like what if everything you were told is complete garbage? What if everything you believed is, is complete crap? What if you just, um, gave it a shot, see what happens, you know, and, and see where things take you. And so far, you know, the answer to, you know, what would happen? And the answer is like, you just won't even believe where you end up like set, you know, set no expectations and get nothing but an amazing reward of life in the process. Um, so, uh, anyway, so, you know, I got through training and I got sent, uh, I was stationed in Hawaii. This was, 96 to 2000, not a whole lot going on in the world. So I'm, I'm generally what they call a peacetime Marine. I never went to uh, combat. I, I only trained and, uh, and, you know, but the experience all the same was, was very intense and, and really a lot of fun. And I was out on my own for the first time and I made a bunch of really bad decisions. I, I traumatized myself uh, pretty good on a, on a number of levels, just sort of experimenting with life and all that it supposedly can be and not be. But I also along the way learned a lot about uh, myself and how to kind of face some of those challenges and fears in life. And uh, I ended up meeting a girl kind of at the beginning of when I 
after I finished all my training, I got stationed in Hawaii. That very first weekend, I met a girl who I ended up dating throughout the entire Marine Corps. And then we married at the tail end of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was incredibly unfaithful to her while we were dating. Um, I was just too, I think, overcome with the power of this new experience of being out in the world. Um, kept it all pretty private, you know, and then her, and, and I started to get active cause I was never raised, like I said, I was never raised super active in the church, but then by the time, um, I was coming into the tail end of the last maybe year or two of the Marines, I was starting to settle down as, as a young person starting to realize that there's, you're going to need to, you know, be a responsible adult and prepare for when you get out of the Marines. Cause in a way, even though it advanced me, and matured me in, in one hand, I didn't necessarily have any skills towards, you know, what, uh, what I might do when I get out. So it's kind of a four year stalling of the same problem I had, you know, before. Um, but I kind of started to feel again, that, that pull towards any needing to get, um, connected to the source again to kind of, and the only thing I knew was the Mormon faith. And I started going back, you know, going back to that and probably for the first time ever, you know, being really, really active and really, really participating and really trying to learn and understand the principles and the gospel and, and all that stuff. And then, um, right, uh, right before, I think it was December before I got out, um, that, that following May, December of uh, 99, my, um, my girlfriend at the time and I got married in the temple um, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was after we got out cause we got married in the Seattle temple. Cause that's where we ended up after we got out of the Marines. And, uh, and I, and I tried to live kind of that Mormon life, you know, but I found, and it's kind of been the same in every little kind of group or subset I get into, but, um, I found in that, in that, um, in that environment, I once again, didn't exactly fit in. It wasn't really quite the, the environment that I, that I thought it would be, you know, it's uh, once again, everybody's seen, I, here I am. I've learned, I've actually learned the gospel. I, I understand all the things it's supposed to be. I've read the book of Mormon, right. I, I did all the things and yet I still was somehow missing something, you know, and, but sort of fast forwarding a little bit, like we, we, my wife and I at the time, you know, we, we stayed as active as we could be, uh, within that we were, you know, temple worthy people and all of the things that those things imply. Um, and, uh, but our relationship was kind of fraying. And, uh, I think we were realizing that there was a lot of premises towards, you know, why we got married that, um, we're starting to sort of unravel. We were both pretty young. I know I realized in hindsight, I saw her as somebody that was really, really good that could give, that could help me be a better person. And she was also seemed to be really driven to be successful as well. I didn't realize it at the time. Mistook that to be love. Um, I was living kind of a facade of my own life. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't very authentic. I struggled to even be honest and open with, you know, some things stayed the same from my youth. I, I wasn't, um, I didn't trust that people would, would really, um, be able to handle me 
in my truest kind of authentic self, including my wife. And, uh, and, it, and we were married for eight years before she, uh, she kind of approached me to say, look, before we're too old, I think we deserve to be happy, you know, and I don't think that we are, you know? Um, and, uh, we had also, so, and actually backing up just a little bit, we had left the church. So her and I stayed active for about four or five years, but it wasn't working for either one of us. The whole pray and read your scriptures answer to everything thing. Um, the, the, the variance between the way the people lived versus what the gospel said, you know, there's just a lot of, and it wasn't even in hindsight, it wasn't even Mormonism. It's just organized religion. And it's not even organized religion. It's just labels and definitions and how we feel like we have to put on a facade to help protect an idea of something. And we can't be authentic and we can't be, we can't be afraid. We don't want to be afraid to sort of reveal that we might approach it a little bit differently as the, as the special, you know, being that, that the universe created, you know? Um, and I was starting to realize that my, my ex-wife was realizing that as well. And so first we left the church and then we realized that wasn't the answer either completely. And we left each other, but she initiated it and, and uh, I, I struggled with that for, for a while, but very quickly realized, and that would be kind of where, so that would bring me up to about the age of 31, which was kind of a shotgun blast of, you know, information, trying to piece all that together. But uh, we went our separate ways amicably. And, uh, and then I, I feel like in a lot of ways um, I was back to square one in a way. Like I was finally and for the first time alone facing myself as, as, and the world and sort of realizing like whatever is supposed to come out of this, it's, it's only going to be me. That's going to be able to make that happen. I can't rely on other people. And um, yeah, anyway. And so for about a year, or so I, I got to just kind of sit in the, in the silence of, you know, I had my own little space and, uh, I had my job. I worked in the video game industry out of, out of, after I got out of the Marines, I went to art school I kind of forgot to mention that piece. And then, uh, after art school, this is all in Seattle after art school, I got a job at a video game studio. And so I was working in the video game industry, had a, had an apartment out in uh, Kirkland and, uh, just kind of lived on my own, kind of figuring out what the next thing might be. Um, and my amazing wife today, Jennifer, who's uh, the family member that ties us all together. <laughs> uh, she, uh, I had met her back when we went to the, uh, the Mormon church in Kirkland, but she was, she was, um, she was like, I don't know, junior or senior in high school. And I wasn't a ton. I was only a few years older, but I was an adult and married. Right. And so there was, there was nothing I always tell people. It's when we first met, but there was nothing, sure. you know, we, we just knew each other and we were just friends. Um, but we reconnected and then we started um, having a long distance kind of relationship. She was in Texas at the time, moving back to Seattle. Um, and then her and I started 
uh, dating. She moved back to, to Seattle and then I got a job transfer to a studio in Oregon and then she was willing to move with me. And then we got married in, in Oregon and then we had our first son. And I think um, the birth of my son was really, was really the point at which, um, you know, I've always kind of had this, this kind of underlining fear of, of death, which I've, I've more recently done a lot of, you know, a lot of work on trying to get to the source of that and what that's all about. And, um, but, uh, I just felt like at that particular point, once I had another little human being to care for, I really felt like I was being shown how out of alignment I was with living a, a long, healthy, well, you know, existence. And, uh, and so a lot of things started kind of coming together at that point, but I, I started running uh, for fitness, dealing with a lot of injuries. I was super out of shape and overweight. I had gained a ton of weight after the military. And uh, what ultimately kind of ended up happening through wanting to get fit for the sake of my, my son, I started to discover if anything, I finally found my church, you know, in a way I found my spiritual center. I found the place where, you know, and I call, I call that the higher power. I, I reference him as the universe in public, but you know, personally it's God. I see him as my father in heaven. I see myself, um, as a child. Um, I feel that, um, if there was ever a place in my history where things were ever really amazing before, coming into a different kind of, a, of awakening of sorts. It was about when I was around eight or nine years old. And so in a lot of ways, I see my, I see myself as an inner eight year old and my, the universe being my father in heaven. Right. And, and our relationship kind of works in that, in that way. But I started to feel that presence and, and things started to open up in a way in which I was starting to make connections to other areas in a more rapid way, you know, um, everything from nutrition to, you know, um, I, I kind of see myself as a selfish individual. So learning how to be more empathetic and considerate of others, you know, all the way through to, um, just the desiring to be a better father. And, you know, just started it through, through running, I started to discover a whole plethora of, uh, things that, um, have really kind of become the life that I'm, you know, more intentionally pursuing now, which is an, an active uh, life, trying to be the best version of myself, seeking challenges that bring me closer to, you know, the universe and, you know, being able to really put into practice the concept that the universe conspires towards our success, you know, leaving, leaving expectation wherever I can, um, and trusting in a bit of a micro flow state in order to be revealed, you know, what, what it is that I'm supposed to be doing next, or if I'm in, you know, the right place. A lot of times I feel like we approach a, a choice and we'll go like, well, God, what am I supposed to do? You know, left or right. And then uh, he doesn't, he's, he's not answering me. I don't, I don't understand, you know? And for me, I, I don't remember where I first heard this, but, I think it's because if, um, if your job is to go to the grocery store to get the milk, um, and there's like a puddle in the road and you don't know if you should hop over it 
or jump in it. And then you get mad at God because he didn't tell you at the end of the day, he's like, sure. Your job is to get the milk, not to worry about this level of decision. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. And I think part of the experience of life too, as, as we face, and this is what I've learned in ultra running and what I'm starting to see reveal itself throughout the narrative of my life is that, you know, pain and suffering, uh, are, are tools and opportunities that develop us. Um, and each time we face a new level of pain, we end up at a new level of awareness and connectivity to just where we're supposed to be. Right. Um, which gives us both peace. It gives me peace. And it also reveals things in terms of, um, what's important and not important. Doesn't mean I always execute perfectly, but then I'm usually reminded by that when I find myself feeling alone again. And I, it's the universe isn't ever away from me. I'm just blocking myself from its presence. Right. By, um, Okay. Anyway, so that was, that was the very brief (laughs) (laughs) summary that was all over the map of kind of my youth, but, and, and getting to this point. Thank you for sharing. I mean, it's, you know, vulnerable. So thank you for, for doing that. And, um, I mean, it's quite the story and it's obviously brought you to a really cool place now. Um, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said, just of like, taking those risks, facing your fears, looking deeper, being in circumstances that are uncomfortable that, you know, like you said, situation and pain will really does help us grow and evolve. And you've had some of that in your life, obviously. Um, Kind of the point of today's show when we had originally chatted about having you on was I thought your story is inspirational to kind of like you stepped away from religion, which by the way, I'm not saying everyone should do that. I'm saying for some of us and some people, that's where there's so much growth um, so this is never a bash on, on organized religion, by the way. My husband's right. also a former Mormon, and I have respect. I have tons of friends that are actively Christ, you know, Christian now. The point is, are you being authentic to yourself? And if you feel that you are within church, awesome. If you don't and you're stepped out, awesome. So I guess for people that are feeling like, hey, this isn't serving me. I feel like it's just something I do, but it's not truth. Um, and it doesn't have to just be in church, but in any aspect of life, uh, where you were raised, right? You felt you needed to get out of there or the church wasn't serving you well. A marriage wasn't serving you well. You've been through many circumstances. So what are like some words of inspiration that you can give to people now that you, you're you on the other side? And of course, your story's not theirs, but just something to give to others, like uh, some tips or things that you did. I guess the running was something that was really therapeutic for you too, right? You, you yeah. found something that fueled you. Yeah. And, and I think it was, I've, I believe that, um, I've got these little moments, uh, along the way where I reve- where I was revealed, um, uh, let's try to stay on track with this and not go too far crazy on this, but I think that we all, if we can all take a second and let go of judgments, criticisms, rules, religion of, inf- of uh, origin, a lot of that stuff, if we can just take a second and be really truthful with one, maybe just one even subtlest nugget of a moment where we were just like literally God smacked, right? Like we were just literally by the universe, by a leaf, by like, I don't care what, right? Where, where you had just this one and, and what you do is you embrace just whatever bit of truth you've been given and you decide that 
no human is ever going to take that away from you, right? Because your soul connects to the universe. And there's a lot of really great, smart people. And there's a lot of and people that are connected. And, you know, I personally, I believe that there are spiritual people um, within religion for sure. And, uh, but I don't think everybody that necessarily follows a religion is always spiritual either, you know, and, and also it's very important that I stay away from it. It doesn't matter what I think, what, what matters is where God is putting me, you know, and, uh, and how the universe is showing up for my life and how my relationship to, to the universe is showing up. But I think, um, I think being not afraid to stand up and reject God, the universe cares about us so much that it's only mankind that's going to be offended if you turn your back on some idea of religion and spirituality. And, you know, like, I mean, you can, I'm not an expert of all the different religions, right? Certainly, certainly. And I spent a fair amount. So aside from being active in Mormon in Mormonism, I left that. And I walked away from all the God stuff. I was in 12 steps for a while, which we didn't talk about. Right. But uh, I was in 12 steps for a while and it was a sponsor in 12 steps that introduced me to the concept of a higher power. And for the longest time I was so, I found, I found a truth there. I found something where my, where I harmonized in my soul to the point of like emotion where I was just, I had this like moment where I realized a thing and I guarded that so hard that I didn't, I didn't even really want to talk to other people about it or like, I just, you know, had kind of, and I protected that for years until I kind of got hooked into the evangelical Christian kind of environment, which was almost as much a traumatic experience as the Mormon experience, actually in some ways more so because the Mormon religion never did anything to me. It just never did anything for me either. Mm. Right. And the, and it was the religion of origin and a lot of beautiful, important people in my life, but evangelical Christianity, right. was like this whole, I was completely brought in uh, by good, beautiful people that to this day, some of them are some of the most important, you know, friends of mine, but, um, and there was nothing they did wrong. There was the point at which I stopped being in harmony with the, the spirit of the universe that was revealing itself in that environment. And I started giving in to a cultural sort of tribal definition, label-y type of thing. And, and the reason I know it was God was because, you know, not to get too political, but after I'd gotten out of the Marines, I was fairly on the right wing side of the spectrum. And after discovering Jesus and Christ and some of those things that shape my current faith viewpoint on faith, I got incredibly more, Woohoo. I got way, I went plant-based in my diet. Mm. I felt like it said it very clearly in the Bible. Right. Um, I went, uh, uh, I don't want to cause any harm. I, I feel that there's, you know, human beings is a, is a reactionary state, but being human is a, is a state of action that we sort of, you know, that is a difference between us just falling in line versus being awake to not awaken. That's a trigger word right now that even I'm kind of standoffish by, but like just coming to a different plane of realization towards your interconnectivity towards these things. This came for me on that stereotypical sort of, evangelical sort of avenue, but then it, I could no longer 
stay true to where the universe was taking me. The universe put me in Mormonism and allowed me to leave and didn't leave me. And then it put me in Christianity in the more traditional sense. And then it, it allowed me to leave and it didn't leave me. Now, a lot of humans left me or a lot of humans and a lot of humans left me because they saw me go into that environment And then I lost even more coming out of it. Right. But not the really good, a lot of people friend, you know, good friends have stayed along and I, cause I'm sure I'll have some of those people listening. I don't want them to ever think that, yeah. you know, but, but the difference was, I believe that, um, that I need to continue in, in the path and purpose wherein the universe conspires towards my success. And I 100%, that's the root of my faith. And I think that something the gentleman said, the doctor in your show uh, that had the near-death experience, I I liked what he was talking about in regards to at least what I felt like I heard him talking about was that there's there's kind of a, a lot bigger room for a lot more belief systems. Like what if, you know, what if Christians were saved by Christ um, they don't have anything they have to worry about. And every time they die, they're reincarnated to come back until they get it right. And, it, you know, and, or what if like uh, Muhammad or, you know, Allah, just like in the Christian Bible that talks about, you know, when, when, um, is it uh, Moses? I think maybe it's Abraham. I'm not super, I have to be careful what I try to, Someone will light I that read the up. Bible like, too, and I can't remember now. <laughs> right, but when when he comes on the burning bush mm. and and he's asked and he's told to go speak to the Pharaoh and and I think it's uh, Moses mm-hmm. and he says, so, well, what? Who should I say sent me? And he's like, well, I I am that I am. I don't have a name. I just am. Right. Well, if he doesn't have a name, then he can have all the names. Sure. He can be the universe. He can be mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Anyway, so I really like the idea that uh, while I feel God is putting me in a path and that I define him in a way that might align with some other beliefs. That's what works for me. And the advice I'd give is to give is for people to have the courage to, to follow what, what is working for them, but to do it truthfully, right. To do it truthfully, because it is a lot of, I feel like the formula is easy, but the work is, is difficult. You know, like you have to stand against a lot of, things that, you know, that make it uncomfortable, you know, to, I guess if you're a, mi- a misfit or an outcast, like how I've perceived myself, you just start to learn to get used to that, you know. But. Right. That's true. Yeah. Nicely said. And I, what you said in the very beginning of this answer was, or your statement is that um, the church didn't do anything to me. It just, like, it wasn't working for me. Like I, I kind of misworded that, but yeah. I like that because again, yeah, this is never to like pick on a group or anyone. This show is about literally like being your best self, spreading positivity and love, loving, accepting each other as we're all on different yes. journeys. But um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that. It's been happening for years, but there are a lot of people moving out of organized religion for a lot of the reasons that you said. And I too have read the Bible. I went to a Christian college. I have experience. I have Christian friends. I know about the faith. I feel like I, for me personally, can say like I have tried it. And it's not for me. I thought it did at a time it served its purpose and made lifelong friends. Uh, there's a lot of similar truths within it um, that I think are amazing and that Jesus stands for. I believe Jesus is someone that you can contact and pray to, but I just am not so interested in the 
organized aspect, like you said. And I think I have friends too, where it's like something you just do. It's just your yeah. fa- you were raised that way, and that's what you just do. And the, yeah, like it resonates, and it's a cool story tied up in a bow. But like you said, like if it's not resonating with your authentic self, like truly deep within, something to look at at least. Not saying you leave, take a peek at that because I think that's what I'm really working on, and everyone might be kind of working on in this crazy world right now. What is true to you? Because we yeah. are getting hammered. What is the media telling? What is social media? What are your friends telling you? What are other countries telling you to do? What are your beliefs? But really it's in here. Intuition, your heart knows. God, this is like a, it's it's within you and you don't have to look outwardly to find it. It's here, but that takes work. It takes time. It takes trying new things like you've done. Um, the beauty of it all is that you can take bits and pieces from all those things. It's all, it's all wrapped up in one, like the Christianity thing, there's some truths to me. Spiritual, like this awakening, again, overused word, whatever. Yoga has been a huge thing in my life. I think we talked about yoga for you too. Yeah. Um, there's so many cool things out there. Try them out. I I love, there's a great book called The Fourth Turning. I don't know if I mentioned mm-hmm. it when we were talking Maybe. at all before. Yeah. Um, and it kind of talks about the generational cohorts. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm Gen X, I was born in 77. So just a few years away before I'd be a millennial. Um, but uh, one of the things from reading that book and then just kind of then looking at life through the lens of my own past, I start to really feel like, um, I mean, cause those of us in the Gen X and uh, 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 older millennials, right? Am I saying that right? The younger Gen X Mm -hmm. and older millennials that are starting. So all of us that are kind of in our 40s, late 40s, early 40s, we are are becoming a force Mm -hmm. of maturity that is, I mean, we are that MTV generation and that boomer generation. And there's no, and again, so actually I feel like just, just like I don't want to send any offense to any kind of organized religion, I don't want to also send any offense to and something we definitely couldn't help, was, which was when we were born. And, you know, right. but if we look historically at some of the, the generational cohort influences and the point we are in, in our lives, you know, there's a huge preponderance of influence amongst that largest boomer cohort that had determined and decided all the things that are and are not and and they are going into their senior years and we are coming into the beginnings of being the most influential of of our you know the older gen x's especially because they're already in their 50s and mid 50s right but like i think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now too is that um it's hard to, especially if we don't, if we don't read and we don't research and we don't look at history, it's, it's easy to think that like, Oh, something unique is happening right now. Something unique has been happening to every sure, generation, yeah. you know, but, uh, but we are right now. Right. And something that is happening is we are taking over and changing the, uh, the narrative for what works for us. Yeah. And we're tearing from the people that raised us in a way that causes a lot of conflict and some people want to be like their parents and some people want to forge their own way. I happen to be the latter. Right. But, uh, and I'm quite comfortable in a, 
in an environment where it's anti-status quo and reject the premise and challenge everything and play a little more Nirvana, you know, and, and just uh, be the rebel again, because now we get the, the opportunity to add all of the years of wisdom to that rebellious spirit. When we were lonely at home, latchkey kids with two parents working and facing the fears of the streets and whatever the case may be, right. All that has come together to create what a lot of people are calling an awakening, which really is just this, this beginning of, of this particular generational season where we're going to start, we're, you know, we're going to start forming around and moving, moving the ball forward in a very different way than everything that's been happening before, you know? And I, and I think a lot of people too. So, so try to break outside of like when you're trying to, if you feel like you're trying to get more spiritual, stop thinking spiritually. Like if you like, basket weaving or playing soccer on the weekends and it comes really easy to you and you have a sense of like there is where your your spiritual opportunity is that's the place to go develop that's the place where when you find that nugget and develop that it's going to expand and connect you because that's you being the most truest version of yourself it's a life hack you don't even realize where you're you're being in flow with the universe because you're not overthinking it and trying to categorize and label it, you know? And that's what happened to me. I feel like is kind of got tricked into a way where it suddenly then showed me in hindsight, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I've heard that um, a couple of places do what brings you the most joy in this moment. And that doesn't mean like get high off your ass every second and like be in la la land, but like, you still have to function, but I mean, you can find joy in everyday moments. Washing the dishes can be a meditation. Go out if it brings you joy to be outside gardening. I'm, t- you know what I mean, like just like everyday yeah. things: basket weaving, soccer, being with a friend, sitting, you know, yoga, like whatever it is, um, listening to music and dancing. Like, be in this moment now. That's all you can do, and and be your best self. Be be joyful, and um, not every moment. Part of life is being sad and having sorrow too. But I guess. Um, there are opportunities to to be spiritual in every moment. Um, and it's not always just like sitting in a room cross-legged, like meditating or praying, right? Like it can be in any moment, really. Yeah. Um, so I like that you said that. Um, I also, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I feel like, because uh, you had kind of made a, a bit of a distinguishing, you said joy, and then you're like, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't be you know, sad. And, and I think that's a problem as well, is that we've become too attached and reactionary towards what really is just neutral human emotions that we add a value or reaction to. You know? And for me, joy is a full human experience of positive and negative emotions. Happiness is just a positive. I could go eat a bunch of pizza, watch a bunch of, you know, action movies, play a bunch of video games and do nothing all day and be happy. Right. And, but true joy takes courage, perseverance, intentionality. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's understand it's being in the moment versus being based on a a landing on something or arriving at a certain place, you know, like this, that's one of the things that I'm challenged with, with, um, you know, you, you could open an eye and technically be awake, but the other one, and then you could be like, look, I'm awake <laughs> and not realize you still have the other one closed. And so you're not seeing depth, you know, and as well as the fact that once you are quote awake, you've now arrived. Well, can you 
So how do you define where you're, do you think you've sure. arrived? Are do you, you done? Are, you, are like, we ever really, arri- have we ever really truly arrived? I think it's a continual yes. process. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, until, until this particular manifestation of our, until we die, right. We won't arrive. That's the only place we arrive is death. I'm not really in a hurry to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to enjoy the moment. Start into another life perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's very timely. You talk a lot about that on this show, just like where we're at right now. And yes, there's always been crazy things that have happened in history. Like everyone mm. knows that, but really it does feel like there's more now. I think there, that's a whole nother show. I mean, we didn't have social media back in the day, so you wouldn't know about 10 horrible worldly things going on back in the day. You know what I mean? Right. But there are a lot of crazy things happening now and i think it's because we've made this world more complicated and we've become more triggered and there's a lot of elements to it i do think there is an interesting like energy shift though there are more people like you talking about your stories publicly there are podcasts there are platforms there i think a lot of spiritual things i call it spiritual because it's just a human word it's overused as well but there are methods of finding your inner truth finding joy being in the moment loving more like connecting to source divine god whatever you want to call it it's it's become more mainstream and that's not like a cool trend i'm just saying it's become more available and known and people are more conscious to it and i think that's what's so cool about being in this moment now on earth is you know meditation reiki like yoga these things have been around medicine healing shaman this has been around for thousands of years but it's it's more mainstream and it's accessible and people are finding growth and i think that's what's so cool about right now and um that's why i think schools public school religions healthcare obviously government which is you know a whole other thing covid stuff <laughs> like there's so much going on even the ukraine thing like looking deeper in there's so much going on right now, and I really do believe that there are paradigms that are breaking, and this could take decades. You know, our children yeah. hopefully will see some of these things resolve, but we're in a time where it's you got to look within because out if you don't, you'll never find yourself. You're always going to have chaos and stuff, and you got to look within. And I admire people like you that are um, that have done this and that are going through it. I mean, I guess everyone is in some way, but. I don't know. I just, I think it's a really cool time and to support one another. And, you know, you said you lost friends along the way and gained ones. Well, I have two lately. I've known a lot of people that have been losing friends lately because they don't agree with exactly the, I mean, what, what a world, but maybe that means that, you know, they're not in, in service to you or you're not in service to them anymore. And that in itself can be painful, but yet you can grow from that. Right. So trying to like wrap this all in really quickly, there's no way to do it. But I guess my point is, we have an incredible opportunity right now. It feels like to, to really shift and it's, you can see it. I feel it myself. I can see it in you. I can see it in a lot of the other guests that I've had. Um, even just speaking about it, right? Yeah. That's growth. That's courage. That's giving other people inspiration. This is really cool to watch on a collective manner. What's that? On a collective matter. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I mean, and even, you know, it was very hard for me to try to spit out any kind of, I've never actually kind of laid out my story, sure. like, you know, before, but I have talked quite a bit more about where I'm at right now and how I view things and what I see going on and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think that, um, because I think there is a lot more of that possibility right now. And I, you know, even just, uh, when did we first talk? I'm trying to remember 
when did we talk i think it was was it the end of november i don't remember actually (laughs) well the reason i bring that up is because even even since we talked we decided to sell our our home Mm -hmm. and to up life to a smaller home on property away from people Mm -hmm. to buy a truck and a travel trailer with part of the money of this materialistic home that we're going to get rid of you know and and the the world we live in now is going to allow us to i mean we can do uh, Jennifer and I can do our jobs anywhere we want, yeah, right? Cool. As long as we have basically an internet signal. Half the time I'm out on the trail on some 30 mile run and I'll do like a meeting in the middle of that run. You know, cool. I'm getting, I'm being, plus they let me look like this hippie, you know, mess. And I have a very true, I'm a project manager at an IT company yeah. back not that long ago. That was a button down sure shirt and pants kind of a job where you're in an office, you know, and now because of what is going on and the way things are moving, you you know, we can go like, we can go to a place where you make money because you need it to have a life. Your life isn't just about the job or, you know, cause that's a shift as well, right? That great resignation that's happening right now. That's uh we, we didn't go as severely uplifing as a lot as some, sure. as I have friends that have, but yeah, we can, there's so much cool. that has come out of the last couple of years. I agree. That, what freedom though. I mean, us oh, too, we both yes. work from home and I'm actually stopping my part-time job, which is really cool that we have the ability to do that. I'll be, you know, hundred percent focused on my daughter and hopefully be growing our family. But like even just being home has been such a gift and, um, the flexibility and schedule. And I, again, this is, that's another huge shift, the workplace shift, mm-hmm. working remote or like, you know, designing more your hours instead of this, like eight to five, like that's such an old school paradigm. Oh like, yeah. So, so unnecessary, so wasteful. Cool, yeah. There's so many yeah. cool things. If you just observe, you can see it happening. It's really cool. Um, but also some of it can be a little, not that one, not that example, for us at least I would say is not painful but for the, some of the change can be painful or really uncomfortable because again we've been used to something your whole life and then you're like oh dang but it forces you to look at it right so yeah it's a really cool time to be here although it's also like crazy but it's yeah. not easy it's not easy and and yeah. whatever I've said in terms of what I'm trying to do in my life uh we don't tend to focus on the negative things but you know right. like I have I have self-conscious thoughts towards how I show up as a father and as a husband. Um, I have a lot of work to do there. I come from a background where discipline was based on a bit of, you know, angry, angry, heavy handedness that Mm -hmm. isn't even really allowed nowadays. Right. I don't know any other way and, and learning, learning how to be a good father, you know, and how to uh, negotiate and raise little spirits that are their own little energy. You know, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I don't always show up for my wife in the most supportive way. You know, it's hard. It's, it's hard, but, um, we just have to, we have to not give in to guilt and shame. Um, we have to always continue to try to move forward, you know, and, uh, the work, the work is worth it. If you want to, I, I was reading a book about death because like I said, I'm trying to sort that out, you know, trying to be comfortable with this, continuing closer expiration date of mine. Right. And uh, they were talking about like one of the biggest gifts we can give somebody when, when they're dying is, is just reassure reassurance mm-hmm. 
that they, that they were enough and that they did everything. Right. But that, um, if we live our lives constantly, never giving up on our attempts to be the best versions of ourselves, we will approach that day with a lot more readiness and comfort. And so if we can meet each other together, right? Like if I did everything that I could to be the best version of myself and then my wife is by my so we joke she's going to die first because I'm plant-based, so I'm obviously healthier, uh, yeah. right? But uh, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. I, the guys always go first, but she'll be the one there assuring me that that I did the best. I you know I saw my my grand my granddad, um, who's one of the other father figures in my life, passed away, and one of the things that really I really struggled with was in his final days. Uh, he told me that he was afraid to die. And there's when you're young and someone you look up to is facing that season of transition. Um, and they were just such an amazing human being, you know, that's a lot, you know, yeah. to process and, you know, but anyway, that's kind of down a different, this is random, different but you path. Could be yeah. Something to look at for yourself. I don't, I'm not an expert. I'm just listening. Um, maybe you absorb some of his fear when he said that to you when you were younger. Maybe that's where some of yeah, your fear could come from. I don't know, just an idea. I like that. Yeah. I never know. But I think sometimes we aren't always absorbing our own feelings. We're absorbing other energies. And that's part of our work too, right? Absorbing other people's trauma or fear, but you think it's your own. Just a thought. But who, uh, what was it that they were saying? I don't remember which one that was saying that you might even carry uh, from past lives. Oh, Cause yeah. I had had this, yep. I had had this weird nightmare about, sp about spiders eating me a couple nights ago. And the next day I listened to one of the mm -hmm. podcasts that talked about you carry, oh, yeah. you maybe you carry from sure. past lives, you know, ancestral pain. It's likely yeah. I, I believe in it. I do think so. Definitely. Hey, there's, there's room in, in my mind. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, challenge or break anything you know to me i so. figure it like just as much as it seems like it could not be true you can't prove it you also can't prove that it's not true so it's it's a possibility yes. <laughs> yeah. there's there, there and there's a lot of people that have said but there's one truth and i'm like yes you and i can agree with with that but how come every time we start to explain where we're coming from it seems like it's either yours or right. mine but there is one truth but let's not try to take a our worldly <laughs> let's just assume that it's like, you know, that's probably a lot bigger than anything, you know, again, if I think everything kind of proves itself out. Right. And, and if we know our direction forward by where we've been, when we pass on to the next experience, we will be able to see what the truth was. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm kind of good with that for the most part. I, I you think know? there'll be a reflective period from everywhere. You know, like you said, that episode that I had on with um, Eben Alexander, the near-death experience. If you didn't watch it, you should go back, everybody. But it, um, every story that I've heard, it's there's a calming peace, good place. It, it brings comfort, and I, I think there is a time of reflection, and and you can kind of review your soul's journey and and, and learn. So yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, I feel like this might be a perfect time for us to in just because I think that's a lot for someone to kind of, you know, take in and think about in, in a good way. Um, your story is incredible. I think our conversation is so like real and relevant. So I'm really grateful that you, you came on and we connected. 
we actually haven't even met, but like you said, we're 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 um, not blood related. We're we both married into the same family, but we have yet to yes. meet just because we live on opposite sides of the country. But we'll be meeting, I think, here soon um, in person. So, um, but I'm really grateful for your story and for coming on. And um, where can people like find you if they wanted to follow along on your your journey and all your cool running stuff and the move? And I think that's cool. You got to kind of move in a little bit more off the grid. A lot of people are doing that, so I think that's another big change that's happening in this world. Yeah, we're, we're excited about what's coming. And I really, really appreciated you having me on. And, and uh, thanks for letting me dive in with on these conversations, uh, these uh, subjects with you. Um, Instagram is probably the easiest, most direct place. And it's at Sketchtopia. Okay. Um, that's a good place. I have a couple, I have a personal Facebook page that I don't really use too much, except that it allows me to have some focused pages. Mm. Um, our family and, and our adventures, uh, we have the Diddy Family Adventures mm. Facebook page. Um, yeah. And then uh, there is a what if project um facebook page as well that where it's kind of the the facebook presence to the to the instagram Mm. stuff it's all kind of connected but yeah that's where i do my thing okay well we'll put it in the show notes we always do so people can find you know find you and um i i know that i'm inspired by our story i'm sure others that are listening are as well so thank you again yeah thank you so much i appreciate it thank you guys so much for listening today And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Real Lauren Live and my website, Lauren.Live. Take care, everybody.